After a weekend to digest it, what do we take away from BYU's win over Utah Tech that got them to bowl eligibility? We'll get to that. We'll also talk about BYU basketball. They beat Nichols Saturday night, and now they get ready for a huge week ahead in the Bahamas. We got all that and more ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Today's show, our title sponsors are friends over at Upside. Download the free Upside app and use the promo code LOCKED to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. We'll tell you a little bit more about that as today's show progresses. But a big thank you once again for checking out the only daily podcast focused on all things BYU right here with us. Goal here, simply stay is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room. And let's start off with BYU football. Obviously, uh, BYU gets the bowl eligibility. They're 6-5 and five after beating Utah Tech 52-26 to 26 on Saturday afternoon slash evening. And I did a postcast edition of the show, kind of sharing some of my takeaways as well as your guys' takeaways on social media after that win. But I went back and watched the games I typically do on Sundays. I go back and re-watch it in its entirety and try and glean some information from this. And I'm not going to do as deep a dive as I typically do on what we call these film review Mondays, but there's a couple of things that stood out to me from this Utah Tech game. Uh, first thing, and this was pointed out to me by a couple of people actually on social media. Some of you DM me and ask me about this. In the second half, if you go back and watch it, Jaron Hall was actually going over to the sidelines to get the play calls from Fessy Satake. Typically, the backup quarterbacks, uh, speaking of Soljay Maiava Peters, Nick Billups, uh, as well as uh, Jacob Conover, they're typically in those colored bib uh, on top of their uniforms and they're signaling plays in. Well, in the second half, you can see very clearly that. BYU changed some things. And in the post-game press conferences, as well as some on-field conversations, it sounds like Utah Tech had an idea of what BYU's calls were. And they were essentially, I'm not saying they're stealing the calls, but they were obviously on to what BYU was trying to run. Now, does that mean in the first half, that's a big reason why Utah Tech had the success they had against BYU? Potentially. Uh, There is the potential for that. But once BYU caught on to it, they figured it out, and in the second half, Jaron just went over the sideline, got the call, trotted back out, made the play call, and BYU in the second half absolutely pounded Utah Tech. Six straight possessions, the uh, Trailblazers had to punt the ball. Uh, the second half was just, it was a butt-kicking. That's the thing, and I think BYU figured out, once they realized, hey, maybe Utah Tech's onto something, and BYU does uh, have familiarity, uh, sorry, it's not BYU, Utah Tech does have familiarity with BYU's scheme, most notably because of Jamison Clark. Uh, Jamison Clark, son of Steve, Steve Clark, BYU's tight ends coach, he was a student assistant at BYU for two years. Uh, left the program two years ago and has been working down at Utah Tech since then. Well, he has familiarity with what BYU scheme, the overall philosophy, and probably some of the signals they're signaling plays in. And there are probably some of you saying, okay, well, why didn't they change it up for this game? I would have imagined that BYU thought, okay, Jamison probably has an idea of some of the stuff we're doing, but it doesn't have the whole... Uh, have the whole, I, 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 what I'm trying to say, he doesn't have the whole uh, playbook memorized. And yeah, some of you are saying, well, change the play calls. And BYU probably will re- re- 
redo that. And there's a lot of programs out there. You can probably watch like Utah State where they actually hold up those sheets. Uh, they go out there and they hold them up behind the play callers to shield any potential uh camera work, et cetera, or people just stealing their play calls. The simple thing is, yeah, you can steal the play calls, but you also have to know uh, what is coming at you, and you also have to execute against it. So Utah Tech, yeah, they had some success at BYU, against BYU. We all we all get that. But, <coughs> excuse me, did, did the overall uh, game reside, and was it won once BYU realized that Utah Tech may have been on to some of their play calls? I guess you could you could say that's part of it, but more more importantly, I just felt like in the second half, BYU said, "You know what? We're better than these guys. We're playing below what we're capable of. Let's go out and just handle our business." And that's exactly what they did in the second half. So, sure, if you want to call it play, stealing plays, so be it. BYU probably should have considered maybe changing some of their play calls and uh, how they were going to communicate plays from the sideline, that type of stuff, because of the familiarity with guys on that Utah Tech staff, but. Same time, he ultimately won the game. Now, a couple other notes for my for my uh, film review. I think that Hinkley Ropati is going to be the next uh, Lopini Katoa, and what I mean by that is Lopini. If you if you recall, during his long and lengthy career at BYU, he has never been the number one guy for BYU. He has been the the Robin to whoever's been the Batman, most notably Tyler Algier during his time. But the thing about this is, I watch Hinkley Ropati, and I'm not 100 percent convinced that Hinkley Ropati has the top end speed and the quote-unquote wiggle, that's that's the term that a lot of people use about top-end running backs, to be the number one guy at BYU. If I'm wrong about this, I'll happily eat crow on it. If, if Hinkley ends up number seven and ends up being the guy for BYU at some point during his career, fantastic stuff. But I think more... Uh, my prediction, I guess my bold call, is that Hinkley Ropati will carry on being that 1B to the 1A at B, in BYU's running back room. Does that mean Miles Davis can be the 1A guy? Maybe so. I, I would imagine that BYU, uh, using the transfer portals they typically have, will bring in at least one running back from the transfer portal this offseason once again, just like Chris Brooks. And I think that Hinkley Ropati is more than capable of being that change of pace back for BYU in this offense. Like I said, if he ends up being, quote-unquote, the guy, the belt, Cal, the, the lead guy for BYU running back, fantastic. You found a guy from the junior college ranks who morphed and developed himself into being that guy. But it, it's not a bad thing for a guy like Hinkley Ropati to have a similar type career that Lopini Katoa has had for BYU. Lopini has had a lot of great moments in his BYU career. The sad part was on senior day, he fumbles that ball and he did not see the field again that I could recall in that game. That, that's, that's tough to stomach, but that sends a message. Even on senior day, you be it lackadaisical with that football, we will bench you. We will put other guys in this game. And that will open the opportunity for Hinkley Ropati. And then most notably in the second half, Chris Brooks came on very, very strong in that. A healthy Chris Brooks, something we've seen very rarely this season, outside really the first two or three games this year, has been a luxury that BYU has needed with this offense. He showed that he's back to close to 100%, I felt like, in that game against Utah Tech. And the good news is he's got a lot of familiarity having played against Stanford, so he should be able to offer some extra oomph, hopefully, for BYU as they head out to the farm this Saturday night. But uh, I think if, if it's Chris Brooks and Hinkley Ropati this Saturday, or if uh, Lopini Katoa is able to regain the trust of the coaches, the nice part is the running back position going into the final couple of games of the season here looks like it's finally getting back to full health. It has been ravaged by injury, similar to some of these other position groups at BYU, but the good news is you've got Hinkley Ropati starting to break out, and I do think he ends up being the next Lopini Katoa, kind of that 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 
change of pace or the alternate back in BYU's backfield. A couple of the notes is that I think we need to appreciate what Jaron Hall is doing right now, folks. If uh, what BYU TV is reporting is true and he's coming back for another season, fantastic. That'd be a that'd be a home run for the BYU football program. My money is still on him leaving. I, I think that he is done playing at BYU after the season. That that is my thought. But I think we need to appreciate what Jaron Hall is doing in a BYU uniform. We're gonna go as BYU fans, media, etc. We're gonna go in the span of three years seeing two NFL quarterbacks having played for the Cougars and have led the Cougars to a lot of success during that time. Think of what Zach Wilson, and I know that Zach is struggling in the NFL right now. It's absolutely abysmal to watch him uh, struggle in that loss to New England yesterday. But the fact of the matter is they're going to go from one first-round quarterback to if Jaron Hall ends up, uh, Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports, who's one of the NFL draft uh, analysts out there, he responded to a question I sent him on Twitter on last Friday saying that he thinks that the second to third round range is where Jaron falls. That's a really, really good spot because, trust me, there's a lot of guys who are starting quarterbacks in the NFL who have come in that range. Derek Carr, second round quarterback. Russell Wilson, third round quarterback. So there is an opportunity for BYU to have two potential starting NFL quarterbacks having come from the Cougars in the last two to three years. That would be absolutely phenomenal for BYU's recruiting of quarterbacks. Think about this. Aaron Roderick, I think we all expect BYU to go out and hit the transfer portal to find a guy to come in and compete with Jacob Conover, or maybe a couple of guys, to compete for that starting job at quarterback. To have the cachet to say that you come here, this is what our offense is capable of doing for you. Making you potentially as high as the number two overall pick, and if, if a guy like Jaron Hall is on his way to the NFL, and the projections are the second or third round, We have had back-to-back NFL quarterbacks here. You can come in and keep that string alive, and you can help us become QBU once again. Think of the great run that Lavelle Edwards had. The, the, the success that BYU built on, under Lavelle Edwards in the late 70s through the 80s on into the 90s was on the back of high-level quarterback play. Well, guess what is elevating all of these high-level programs in college football? High-level quarterbacking. If BYU can go out there, <coughs> excuse me, and go out there, sell themselves to these quarterbacks in the transfer portal and say, you can be the next quote unquote guy to make it to the league from here. That's not a bad chip to have on the recruiting trail for BYU. And watching Jaron Hall put up a career high 456 yards, six total touchdowns, go over the 3,000 yard plateau passing for the season. I think we need to appreciate what Jaron Hall has done in a BYU uniform. It's been really, really fun. And sure, if he comes back for another year, I think you can put money on BYU actually being a little better maybe than we anticipated them being going into the Big 12. But if ultimately this is it, the final few games of his BYU career, I think we need to appreciate a little more of what Jaron Hall did for the Cougars. Now, the final thing, and this is a negative here, is that Kalani Satake said in the postgame, we wanted to see if we could stop the run against this team with three, a three-down alignment. Kalani, I love you, but stop it with this stuff. Stop saying that we, we think we can stop the run with a three-man front. Your defense has not stopped any offense, frankly, outside of Baylor this season. I guess you count USF, but USF's absolutely just awful. But stop trying to say stuff like this. Understand what your liabilities are with your defense and try and shore them up. Sure, Utah Tech is an FCS team, and in theory, you should be able to overpower them. I get all that. But when you come out and say, well, we wanted to just try an experiment here and see if we could stop the run with three guys. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Stop. Stop it. Just... 
the overhaul of BYU's defense, it, it's coming. It, it, it has to come this offseason. If they don't overhaul this defense, frankly, I don't blame any BYU fan for being absolutely irate about what you saw on the field this year. If they if they don't if they don't realize that they have they've if they cut their nose off to spite their face, whatever that terminology is, with this defensive staff and think that we're just gonna run it back. No can do. You cannot do that. You will have, I, I, I trust me, I've, I've, I'm hearing rumblings of players just being discontent with how the overall scheme of this defense is built. And for Kalani to come out and say, we wanted to try and stop the run with three guys. Stop it! You haven't done it all year. Why, do you, why in the you-know-what would you think you could do it in this circumstance? That... The, that bugged me. Like, and I'm watching it, they could not stop it. Quali Conley, who was a thousand yard back at the FCS level, had some success early on in this game. The defense played better in the second half. I will give them that. But to come out and say, well, we were just going to try and see if we could prove to ourselves we could stop with a three man front. Stop it. Don't do that. That only adds fuel to the fire over here of BYU fans who are irate and upset about how this defense is performing. And it is performed pathetically for the most part this year as a, across the board has BYU's defense been in, in many ways redeemable in your eyes most of you out there I, I guess I'll make that the question of the day is there anything redeemable about BYU's defense in your eyes love to hear your comments social media Facebook Instagram Twitter search us out locked on Cougars you can drop it in the comment section below this if you're watching this on YouTube I just that comment wh- why why would you say that because we all we we're not dumb as fans, media, uh, just keen observers of BYU football. The defensive product this year has been downright abysmal, and it needs to be it needs to be overhauled. It needs to be changed. It needs to have an influx of new talent, new ideas, a new brain trust running the things. And for you to say, well, we were just going to see if we could uh, do what we've done and and see if we could get get, get it going. Stop it. Just don't. It, it only it only hurts you, I feel like, in many ways. All right. I'll step up my soapbox on that. Kind of some of my takeaways from film review. Like I said, I wasn't going to do a super deep dive. There were some other notes, but kind of kind of superfluous material. But we'll get to more of that stuff throughout this coming week. Get ready for Stanford and the regular season finale. Crazy to think it's come already, but it's Thanksgiving week, everybody, and it, it, it's here. We'll get to some BYU basketball notes here. I want to talk a little bit about what I observed from that Nichols win on Saturday and also looking ahead to a big week this week. Three straight days of games of the Battle for Atlantis down there in the Bahamas. Huge opportunity for BYU. BYU, but also, could they go over down there in the Bahamas? We'll talk about some of that here in just a moment. First, though, a word on our friends over at Upside. Upside is obviously here to help you guys out. Inflation has all of us think about ways to cut back, whether we're driving less, uh, trying to uh, dine out less, buying less from the grocery store. No matter what it is, we can all agree there's nothing fun about less. That's why I have started using it. I would encourage you guys to start using the Upside app. It's an incredible app for everybody who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With Upsides, I don't have to cut back as much because I get cash back on every single purchase that I make. All you got to do is to get started is download the free Upside app, use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer from whatever you're buying on Upside, check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit or debit card, and you get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn up to three times more cash back with Upside. Upside earners are, use, are, excuse me, are earning more than a million dollars combined every single week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So once again, download the free Upside app now, use that promo code LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 
$10 or more using the promo code LOCKED with our friends over at Upside. Today's show also brought to you in part by our friends over at UCCU. Uh, UCCU is offering all of us a 15-month savings certificate with an incredibly high APY of 4.00%. Folks, this is a phenomenal way. We all know the interest rates, inflation are going absolutely nuts. This is a great way for you to save some extra money and do it in a pretty quick amount of time. I know 15 months sounds long, but you can get a significant return on your investment by using this uh, using this from our friends at UCCU. What is a savings certificate and how is it different or like a savings account? A savings certificate is similar to a savings account. Both are great ways to earn a safe return on your money over time, but the big difference is savings accounts typically come with unlimited deposits and withdrawals. With a savings certificate, you make one deposit, then let your money grow and grow and grow with that fixed rate of return that's much higher than a standard savings account. The best part is, during the 15 months of the savings certificate, if interest rates and inflation continue to rise, you have the opportunity to bump it up one time and continue to grow that money. It's a really, really fun way to do this, my friends. The best part is, you can start it for as low as $500, making it an awesome opportunity for every type of saver, both big or small. So give it a shot. Go to UCCU. You can go open this online, call in, or stop into any UCCU branch to get started on it. That's the best part about it. The, 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 the possibilities are endless. They have got great variety of term options to help meet your needs as well. So get out to uccu.com to learn more or to get started on that savings certificate today. That's Utah Community Credit Union. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for checking us out here on Locked On Cougars. I want to remind you guys to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast as well. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only the Locked On Podcast Network can provide. That's Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk a little BYU basketball. Uh, they are 3-1 and one on the season after they beat Nichols 87-73 on Saturday night. I did the day-night doubleheader, I'm sure. A number of you did that as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, out there at the Marriott Center. And BYU used a big second half to pull away in this game. It was actually a very competitive ge- competitive game, especially in the first half. The Colonels, they're 0-3 on the year, but they played a really, really fast pace, and they like to get after it. They were they were a feisty, feisty bunch. Uh, some of you probably saw the dust-up uh, that was involved in the second half on a jump ball. Uh, Dallin Hall uh, tied up one of the Colonels' players, and he gets shoved backwards, and then Noah Waterman takes exception and ends up being, as they typically do, offsetting uh, technical fouls. That's the biggest cop-out when it comes to these officials. They, they don't want to call anything, really, but regardless... BYU gets the win. The nice part was Gideon George had a pretty good game, I thought, overall. He didn't shoot it all that well. I know he was 5 of 8, but it just felt like he was not shooting all that well. He's 2 of 5 from 3, ends up with 15 points, also gets 10 rebounds. That was the more important part, is the glass. BYU got 54 rebounds in this game. I think 19 of them, uh, at least, uh, were offensive rebounds, giving BYU extra possessions that were very, very critical to BYU pulling away in this one. Fuseni Traore, after a quiet night on Wednesday against Missouri State, the, the length of Missouri State bothered him. Uh, a smaller Nichols team, he was actually able to dominate. 15 points, 8 rebounds. Really, really nice to see from him in that game. And the, also, the bench really had a good day. Atiki Ali Atiki, that's one thing I probably should mention here. The offensive development of Tiki Ali Atiki is actually a really, really nice thing to see for BYU. He's become more patient on the offensive end. Is it 
smooth by any means? No, not necessarily, but it's effective. He got 10 points in this game, and he took his time. Sometimes we got that ball. He was like, you know what? We're going to work this a little bit. And that, that was the nice part to see is a guy like that who came in so raw. He had played, I think somebody uh, quoted out there on Twitter that he's played less. he had played less than 40 organized games of basketball before getting to BYU. He is an extremely high-level athlete, but he is still morphing himself into being a basketball player. And the good news is he actually looked very, very smooth in this game. It's coming along, and that's going to be critical to BYU's chances in a format this week. You've got three straight days of high-level basketball. They start at Wednesday when they take on USC, and they face either Butler or Tennessee the next day, and then we don't know uh, who it'll be the final day of the battle for Atlantis. But all three days of this tournament, maybe are the outside of Gonzaga, who BYU will face obviously twice during conference play, this week may feature the three best teams in terms of overall talent, etc., that BYU will face all year long. This is one of the premier uh, mid-season tournament events, the MTEs as they call them, in college basketball. And BYU's got a lot uh, staring them in the face. We'll preview that more in its entirety probably on our Wednesday edition of the show, give you more of a look as what to expect for this as uh, some more news rolls in. BYU did get to uh, the Bahamas uh, last night, speaking of Sunday evening, uh, to get ready for this. They'll be practicing and having uh, media type stuff and some walkthroughs, that type of stuff in the lead up to games starting on Wednesday. But this is a really, really big opportunity for BYU. Our friends at Bet Online have installed BYU as 20 to 1 favorites among the, I think it's actually the worst odds uh, to win the Battle for Atlantis tournament, but I don't think anybody out there thinks BYU is going to win this. The bigger thing is if BYU could win at least one of the games in this format, that would be very, very good for BYU's resume. Right now, having wins over Idaho State, Missouri State, and Nichols Really nothing to write home about. You had a huge game against number 19, San Diego State. You were in control of that game for 30 of the minutes. The final 10 minutes of that game, it fell apart on you. You lost that game. So you need, I guess the goal I would say for BYU this week, going to the Bahamas to that battle for Atlantis, is get one win. I don't care who it comes against. Just the caliber of teams playing in this, all of them lend themselves to being high-level wins for BYU come tournament resume time if BYU has aspirations truly of making the NCAA tournament. I think the jury is still out on how good this BYU basketball team really can be, but the good news is they're trending in a fairly positive direction. They have played different styles of basketball. The the, the game against Nichols was super high-paced. Nichols came in as a team that, that they love to press it because their biggest guy, I think, on the roster, I think they listed six foot eight as their tallest guy on the roster. So they have to beat teams by playing at a higher pace and shooting the three at a high level, that type of stuff. And BYU was able to match that and ultimately pull away down the stretch. So BYU is proving bit by bit here. I, like I said, the, the, the wins aren't all that impressive, but early on this season, the BYU basketball team is showing that, hey, we can play different styles of basketball. And that, that's a positive thing if you're a BYU basketball fan. Obviously, still a long season to go. We're just four games into what will be, I think it's is it 30 games BYU has scheduled this year. It'll go until late February. Obviously, uh, conference play is over a month away before BYU finally gets into the final stanza of their West Coast Conference membership. But... Uh, big week ahead, obviously, as they get ready for the battle for Atlantis. And it's a huge opportunity at the same time for Mark Pope and his squad. All right, coming up here in a minute, we'll round out the week. Uh, not the, round out the week. We'll round out today's show with a look back at the weekend for other BYU sports. Some successes, some failures. We'll get to all of that here momentarily. First, though, a word on our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Uh, I can tell you this the opening line for BYU from our friends, uh, BYU football. 
football is what I should say against Stanford this weekend. BYU opens as a six and a half point road favorite. They think BYU is about a touchdown better than Stanford in this game. Well, you can get all the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts like this one, Locked On Cougars, you can find those on Bet Online as well. They're the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. You can get in on live betting, uh, futures odds, all of that. It's all available now from our friends at Bet Online. Head to the website today or get, use your mobile device to learn more. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. I truly, it is so much fun. And my cough notwithstanding, thank you for bearing with us. It's been it's been a long month. It's crazy to think that uh, we're just a few days away from uh, Thanksgiving. Uh, crazily enough, <coughs> as I cough again. Um, I have got my youngest brother. I'm the oldest of seven kids. My youngest brother is coming home off of his mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and he actually gets home Wednesday afternoon. It's been a long two years, but I, I, I cannot wait to see him. And it's crazy to think that it's been that long, but at the same time, it feels like a short time. And the crazy thing is, uh, he was a guy who actually checked out the podcast before he left on his mission. He's going to get back and realize, hold up, there's a YouTube element to this? Yeah, you can watch it on YouTube now grant so elder hatch is on his way home and obviously we'll have some updates on that i'm sure as we get a little closer to that but it's crazy to think the day before thanksgiving he's getting home from his missionary service but cannot wait to have him back home all right uh that aside let's talk about what happened over the weekend in other byu sports the byu women's soccer program was in action in the sweet 16 taking on north carolina and the dominance the tar hills have shown over b over byu in their uh, sparse history playing each other continued despite a hard-fought uh, match byu ultimately lost three 3-2 in the Sweet 16, ending their 2022 season. So, gut punch loss for BYU. Uh, they made the run to the College Cup last year. BYU finishes their 2022 season with an 11-3-7 uh, overall record, going undefeated in the West Coast Conference uh, with a record of six wins against zero losses and three draws. It's their fifth year in a row with five losses or less, dating back to 2018 after making it to the College Cup final in 2021. The good news is uh, BYU should have the the majority of this squad back for next year. They lost a lot of the the team, especially the offense, uh, that, that left after BYU made that run to the College Cup final in 2021. Jennifer Rockwood, she's solid as a rock when it comes to uh, pardon the pun, but she is phenomenal at reloading this squad and I truly believe that 2023 they'll be back at it and I cannot wait to see what they do. Uh, Next thing up is the BYU women's volleyball the 17th ranked Cougars uh, ended up winning 3-1 at Loyola Marymount on Saturday. That runs the record to 21-5 overall. They're 15-2 in West Coast Conference play, so a solid win for BYU. They have a huge matchup tomorrow night, Tuesday night Number two ranked San Diego comes to the uh, to uh, uh, the not the Marriott Center, the Smith Fieldhouse. Apologies for that. Had a brain fart there. Uh, it'll be senior day for BYU. Eight o'clock Mountain Time. The WCC finale will be televised on ESPNU in this coming weekend. Uh, BYU should be seated, I would imagine, fairly high in the NCAA tournament. But if you want to cap off your season the right way, go get an upset of undefeated uh, San Diego. That would be a fantastic way to round out the year. But going to be easier said than done there's no doubt about that for BYU women's basketball and women's volleyball now women's 
basketball got their first win of the Amber Whiting era out there at the North Shore Showcase on Friday. They beat Washington State 65-56 to in their second and final game of that showcase event. Their comeback attempts failed as they lost to Troy 68-62. to That sunk BYU to an overall record of 1-4 on the season. They now return home. They'll be taking on Carroll College at the Marriott Center on Wednesday afternoon at 2 o'clock Mountain Time. That'll be on the BYUtv.org website as well as the BYU TV app if you want to tune into that. And then this coming Saturday, they'll also have Ball State uh, coming to town. But tough start for BYU women's volleyball. Uh, man, I'm screwing my sports. BYU women's basketball off to a really rough start this year, but hopefully they can round things into form and Coach Whiting can get the Cougars rolling. All right, final thing for you guys is that BYU men's and women's cross country was at the NCAA championships over the weekend. They got All-American performances from Aubrey Frethenway and Lexi Halliday-Lowry, but BYU Women's Cross Country ended up finishing a disappointing 8th place uh, at the NCAA Championships out there in Stillwater, Oklahoma. On the men's side of things, they got a better performance finishing in 3rd place, tallying 132 points to claim 3rd at the the tournament. Uh, Casey Klinger had his best finish in his 4th Nationals appearance to take home 7th place. So overall, uh, what we hope for BYU Men's and Women's Cross Country, they didn't accomplish it. The men team had aspirations of winning a national championship and it didn't materialize and the women's team probably thought that they could finish at least top five so overall disappointing considering the expectations and the history that the cross country programs have but yet another fantastic season uh, for the men's and women's cross country teams all american citations the men's side got the four we mentioned the two for the women so good all american citations and at the same time top 10 finishes uh, top five for the men top 10 for the women not a bad season but they will be a little bit disappointed with their showing like I said, just considering the history they have at those championships. All right, that is going to do it. Uh, you guys are up to speed on everything you need to know about BYU from over the weekend. Of course, we'll get you ready this week, getting ready uh, for Stanford coming up on Saturday night. Just a programming note for you guys. We will have four podcasts this week. Uh, you will have today, so speaking of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We'll take Thursday off for the holiday. Then we'll return on Friday with a preview edition, getting you ready for Stanford. And we'll probably do a postcast. A very, very late Saturday night. It's going to be post game for my my post game duties for the KSL Sports Zone that game gets over 12.30 a.m. Mountain Time. We'll probably be doing post-game till 1.30 a.m. Who knows? I'll probably be recording that podcast at like 3 a.m. Who knows? But we'll have it for you all the same. Just wanted to get, get that on your radar. But a big thank you all the same for making us your first listen of the day. Now go make your second listen our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors does an incredible job making sure you're up to speed on everything going on with the Big 12 Conference. Get that free and available wherever you get your podcast, just like this one on YouTube or on the various podcast platforms out there. That'll do it for myself. Have a great Great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.